0: Hello and welcome to Navigating Nursing. I'm your host, Laura Whitehead, a registered adult nurse, a critical care nurse, qualified lecturer and fellow of the Higher Education Academy. And I'm joined today by Beverly Brathwaite, who is a senior lecturer at the University of Roehampton. She's a clinical nurse advisor for 111 service and she's also a senior fellow of the Higher Education Academy. Hello, Beverly. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me, Laura. Pleasure. So, I'm going to go right back to the beginning. Why did you want to be a
1: nurse? There's a question right there. Um, <laughs> it was. Um, I don't want to say it out loud because it just really dates me. But it was. It was the um, late eighties.
0: <laughs> that was that. So right, no one's doing any maths. It's okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: As a, a sort of working class black girl from West London in England, I appreciate all international. Um, you know, there, there was only sort of a. With regards to going to a local comprehensive school and being of Caribbean heritage, getting a job is really important and, and supporting yourself and getting a good education. Possibly, how you support someone getting a good education is wasn't as, as cl- clear um, as it could have been um, for me. But so when you're looking at jobs in you know in your local local when you know when you're talking about your career as in your high school or secondary school as it, as it was then. Um, You know, as a woman, there's things so, you know, BBC engineer is not on your your list, so all the man jobs, and I, don't shout me down, feminists out there, because I'm totally with you, but all the men jobs back there, I was like, well, no. So it was pretty narrow, it's like working in a shop, Mm -hmm. working in an office, um, working in social healthcare, being a nurse or something, I mean, and and if it was, it was, it was never like thinking of being a doctor or a radiographer. I thought about that. I don't mind talking to people. I don't mind cleaning up bodily fluids, and um, and I thought those are the sort of things that would be part of that job, which is, you know, a lot of you know, base, basic, essential, and important aspects of care. I feel obliged to definitely highlight that. Um, so I thought, yeah, I don't want to work in a bank. I've got bank. I don't want to work in an office. And I sure as hell don't want to work in retail. Excuse my language. I thought. Yeah. Let me try this nursing business, so I looked to see what the qualifications were for nursing, and then I set about getting the minimum it required to get through the <laughs> door good approach. Don't yeah, waste yeah. It, I'm like, don't... okay, science or maths. I was like, Thank God for that because um, my maths at that time it's a little better now, but at that time it was really bad, so I thought, okay. So I went off and did a, um, a pre-nursing course um at Hounslow Borough College after school, because I didn't get enough um, O levels, GCSEs there now, to get into nursing. So I thought I'd do a pre-nursing course, you get an idea of what nursing could be like, and then get at least the minimum qualifications you need to get into nursing. So at that time it was um, six GCSEs at equivalent, at C or above. And as I said, one had to be in either science or maths, and thank God for human biology. Thank the goodness for that being in biology that I got. Um, And so I got the minimum um, amount and then I applied. It wasn't UCAS or the university system. At, well, I mean, you could do it at university, but you had to apply to, to, to um, the um, schools of nursing. So I lived in West London, so I applied for lots of um, in the sort of area of London um apart from the ones that were really local or so anyone that I thought I could go into if I was going to be ill I did not apply for but anyway it was just a bit further so yeah. um I went to St Mary's in London in Paddington um so that's quite close to me but it wouldn't be a hospital that I would, I would go to and I didn't really know west London uh northwest London some parts of it were at that time um very well even though I lived very lived very close to that so um, I went for that interview. Actually, I got into all this university, uh, all the school of nursing that I applied for. St George's, um, I think Epsom, and I can't remember was what, another one. And I got to all of them, and I ended up picking um, St Mary's because I didn't want to leave home at that time. And it, the whole era of you have to live in and so on was not an issue by the late eighties. It moved forward just a bit but you didn't have to live in, and you could be over eighteen. Because I, I was nineteen. You
0: I think as I would, I think we we see a lot of that, don't we? Now, in in universities, of people choosing either somewhere that's near, an you know, area they're familiar with, and, and that yeah, living at home or living with family, or you know, not wanting to relocate or necessarily go to the hall system, um, especially with the yeah. cost of living. Did you yeah. think that your pre nursing course? Do you think that that helped you understand what nursing was about? No, no, I think I think it
1: helped a bit. I mean, my clinical experience they put me in a nursery, I think. And so what it did say to me is that at that time in my life, I'm like, no, I'm definitely an adult nurse. Yeah, yeah, you can not, take it. I'm on. not a child nurse. Not, not my, I, I enjoyed it, but I thought I wouldn't want to look after children who are unwell. Mm-hmm. So all you child nurses out there, big and respect for me. Um, and I, I never considered um, mental health, and I didn't sort of even consider that learning disabilities was a was a thing at, at, at 19, 18, 19. So adult was definitely um, the way to, to go. And um yes, I think it it, it prepared me a, a, a little bit more than I would have before but I I it didn't being a, going into being a student now and what I witness it didn't it didn't surprise me because I I I think the biggest thing that they talk about now still is that um, and I teach and that, you know that, 1890, well actually, student nurses are like really surprised that you do um, you know, important essential aspects of care. That you you do you do wash patients and you do feed patients and you do um remove pretty much every bodily fluid a human being can produce. Um, and in my mind, I knew that. That 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 I, I that was if that was in my mind. Anything fancier that you could learn. I was like, oh, it's interesting, but I, I knew that that's that is the basic of being a nurse and I'm fine with that so anything mm. on top of that for me was was a bonus so um, a additional extra yes yeah I mean my mother was a um an auxiliary midwifery so she would talk about it a bit so you know she's helping you know blood there's you know women pooing when they're with a baby and all those sort of things so she would talk about that so I, I knew it was seeing somebody you know having to help somebody you know be clean and dry and decent as my mother would say so I was that, I, and that's what I thought about when I did that job. I didn't mind doing that, and I didn't mind doing it with people that I had no idea who they were five minutes before I did that. Mm. So that, I think, is the biggest surprise of, of nursing then, and even more so now, even though you repeatedly tell students that, mm. they're still like, do you have, to, what, even the feet? I'm like, yes. Yeah
0: I've, few, yeah, I've had a few. I've had a few. Even yeah,
1: in a skill situation, I'm like, "Yeah." Even he, 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 from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet, you will have to wash someone at their bow. Yeah. And the look of oh, absolute surprise. And, and I and I still look surprised because I really didn't have an issue with that and knew that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I when I was 19 years old. And that could be a 30-year-old asking that question.
0: Yeah. Not necessarily
1: years old. So I, I find that interesting how um you know they don't know that, even though we try to make it very clear to be on know, you know. You know exactly yeah, what they're going clear. to um, expect to um, be a part of in, a, in in this role. So it did it did help a bit, but I was pretty comfortable with the difficult, uncomfortable things that could happen um, that you would witness as a, as a as a nurse and definitely as a student.
0: You're a senior lecturer um, at the University of Southampton, um, and you're also a senior fellow of the Higher Education Academy. So mm-hmm. teaching is at the centre of you know of your role of your role now and has been for mm. for quite some time. Were you always drawn to education and teaching?
1: No, that wasn't that wasn't my ask. Not at all. He said to me when I was eighteen, that I was going to be doing. end up being a university lecturer and doing what I'm doing and have done what I have done. I, it wasn't. It wasn't even wasn't even a thing for me. It didn't didn't cross my my mind when I was a student. My main objective was. Please let me pass and become a registered nurse. Mm. That, that, was, that was my number that was one priority. Let me get, let me, let me let me pass this course, yeah, <laughs> And let me get registered, yes. And then anything after that. We'll worry about that later. Because <laughs> I can't do anything unless I'm a registered nurse. And, and the more I did it, the more I thought this was the right job for me. I really um, enjoyed the job of being a nurse. Um, so, I really wanted to do it. So, my number one priority is please just get, get me registered. Whatever happens after that, uh, I'll see. I, I, I didn't have any. Uh, I think at one point, maybe working theatres, I did eight weeks in theatres and I enjoyed it, but I thought, no, I'm not a theatre nurse. Um, you know, I think maybe being a night sister was like a big, the possible for me. That was about as exciting a possible career progression. I thought once I get registered, but for me, it was about getting registered. So. It probably wasn't until, I don't know what job, but probably when I was a, a tissue viability nurse specialist and I and I had done my degree by this point and I was in the middle of my masters at this point that there was a lot of teaching that came with that, in that role um, of registered nurses and, and, of, and of students. Um, and I also did a lot of other type of teaching um, to run study days and so on and organised um, study days with other healthcare professionals around wound care that I um, uh, enjoyed it. So that's when I, I thought it became a backup plan because initially I wanted to be the first black um, director of nursing of a large London teaching hospital. I don't know. I don't know exactly why it became so specific but it was quite specific yeah, for quite course. a few years. And then I, I, I realised that even I wanted to do that so I wanted to thought that 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 position you could impact on nursing care Mm. Um, and I worked in quite a few hospitals in my in my career before I went um, to education and I want and I saw some care that was um, variable let's say it's the nicest probably way of saying it and I thought well if you're the if you're the director of nursing you have power to um, improve patient care so I, I was aware of the issue of equality and diversity even then but not in the way that I am now knowing that you know there definitely wasn't a director of nurse I mean I don't think there has still been actually somebody can stop me if I'm right if I'm wrong but I still don't think there has been a black director of nursing of a large London teaching hospital well. I don't think there has been if somebody knows that there has been I apologize for whoever that person yeah, is let us know all my respect to that person but I, I off the top of my head I, I don't think that there, there still hasn't been one um and I but, but for me I, it, it wasn't even that issue as much. It was the issue of um even with all that power, there is only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. Um it, you know, how, what's your sphere of influence actually isn't as big as you as you think it is. You've got all the responsibility of what goes on with the nursing in a in the trust, but um how much actual power you have to um to really do something about it. Um is 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 questionable, and it's a hard job, and I haven't got a problem with that, but that was why I thought, well, actually, um, that isn't the way I want to go, because it's not going to get the outcome I want. Mm-hmm. Doing that job, um, if even if I couldn't get it as a black woman, even if I got it, um, I don't think it would improve the care of the patients or the hospital I worked in in the way that I wanted um two and that was um, uh, that was my last job I, I, I realized that was quite seeing. I bad.
0: think there's probably a lot of people listening that had a goal, had an aim, thought, oh one day maybe I'll yeah. be a XYZ. And then you're right, as time goes on, as you maybe you you're more aware of what the role entails or what's possible, yeah. you then realise yeah. that that doesn't align with what with what you're trying to achieve, that yes. you want. Yeah.
1: So um you know I did quite a few different types of jobs as a as a registered nurse. So um and so that was so Acute general medicine was, was what I worked in in, in two or three hospitals, but I was also a tissue viability nurse, which was so like area... tissue
0: viability is a really popular. I always get a lot of students um asking for advice, you know, that it's an area they're interested in. They they've really liked the kind of variety, the the big scope, the fact that it's clinic, that it's ward based, that mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. there's teaching in. It seems to be a really yeah. good, a really good yeah. role with a lot yeah. of variety.
1: Yes, and, and and that was that was one of the things with me. I was interested in um, wound care as a student. I, I did a project for some part of an assessment. I don't know what assessment is and what year it was. Um, I think it was on, and it was on, yeah, it was on leg ulcers, and and I didn't even see that many leg ulcers in one my community placements, So it was just something I was interested in. So I got to a certain point, and as a, a junior sister or senior staff nurse it was at that time, and then a certain friend of mine. I found her job as a board manager, and she found my job um, as a. Um, she said, baby I've seen the perfect job for you." As you and found, it's always me-
0: good to have a friend that's like your career advisor.
1: Yeah, the nursing times, bless it. Back in those days, we were like, "Get the nursing times week because it's in there." And um, and I read it, and I was like, "Yeah, that I could." That's do for that. me. That's that's my that's my job. So. And you've talked
0: about your BSc, and you've mentioned about your masters as well, um, and you've also done your teaching qualification. You're a senior fellow of the Higher Education Academy. I'm going to get onto your PhD um, in just a sec. Did you did you know okay. that you wanted to study at at that heart? You know, once you have done your you done your BSc, did you know that you wanted to go on to further study, or was it just something that's kind of happened throughout your career? I, I didn't even know I wanted to
1: do a degree because mm. <laughs> um, I, I did nursing first i i and then I did my degree afterwards, so for for a good while there my academic life and my um clinical um expertise of career was um well, were very, very separate, so I was working part time clinically and doing a political science degree wow right. interesting well i you know i do i do, you want to ask me a question why political science i have i have I have no idea I know want to do sociology and then I looked at the board of perspective and I thought oh social science gives a bit of history gives the one I did at the University of Westminster it gave you a bit of sociology you could do a bit of history good mixture politics so um you could pick a major and I ended up picking um politics funny enough as a as the major and with a, a small with minor in um sociology and um history.
0: You're doing a PhD did you I was about to say, did you know you wanted to do one was it something that kind of over your career that you that you saw people doing that you saw was available as an opportunity and thought maybe that's something i'd like to do how, how did you come about deciding that you wanted to start one
1: well so when i finished my master's i thought that i wanted to look at the area I'm sort of looking at for my, my, my PhD, because my academic world was very separate from my um, nursing world. So I was doing a political science degree while I was working as a clinical nurse. So my master is in um, gender. I, I, I At the time, I had to do gender or looking specifically at issues of gender or looking specifically at issues of ethnicity and race. Um, the, the way that the, the modules, uh, the programs were, were written, um, and it, it took me a long time to decide which which one I went down. Yeah, which, how did you decide? I went, I, um, at this point, um, I I went. I think I went with gender because I thought I didn't know that what intersectionality was at that at that time, mm-hmm. even though it was a thing then. But I hadn't heard of it at that point. I thought I'll do the woman thing because. I can add the issues of being black to the woman thing. And you, you could have done it the other way, you could say, oh, I'll, do, I'll do the ethnicity issue, I can always bring the issue, either way. But for me, in my head, that's how, um, that, that's how it works with gender. And then my dissertation for gender was looking at black women's um, identity in a um, white dominated space. It wasn't said like that now, but that's fundamentally what. I was looking yeah, at that's there. And so, when I wanted to do my my PhD, I wanted to further that into my PhD. But how you explain that to a head of nursing or the dean of nursing that you want to look at that when you're a um, or you know when you're at this point a university lecturer and you're thinking that just doing the PhD would be useful to the to you and to the department that you're working in. They're not seeing it that because it's not meeting, you know, that what they want to do. So when I'm like, I, I I would like. So as soon as I um, got into education, I wanted to start my my PhD. Now, so that was 20 years ago. I wanted to, but then, you know, I'm sure as you know, those those first couple of years, you're just learning how the hell to do this job. I mean, they, I, again, I know that there are, you know, there there, there are people out there who have, you know worked until four in the morning got up at three in the morning you know did what they had to do with families and and partners and children and 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 um so again all respect to you ladies and um to you people out there who have done um with a busy life and working full time you have my utmost respect (laughs) because you know it's been you know uh it, it's taken me much you know hopefully it will finish next year and it's been like it'll be nine years next, next year um i remember when i started i thought i'm gonna do it in four yeah mm-hmm. um and there are a variety of personal and professional things that that happens to do that and then i decided to do stupid things that you shouldn't do when you need a phd as well like writing a book you know, kind
0: of oh yeah just writing a book just 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 casually yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah and, as uh, you do yeah and a couple of articles on other not on what's necessarily 100 related to your phd but sort of areas of interest that sort of skirt around your PhD because mm. I'm, I'm seeing it like that it, 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 it can it can take it t- it, it's taking longer than than I expected but when I finally got to a point in, in 2014 when I thought well, I'm going I'm going to really do that when I um got a job um at another university and, and also there was a the thing about it was becoming problematic that the area I wanted to look at and being a, a nurse lecturer just wasn't um, reconciling it and then all of a sudden it came to me well why don't I look at um, black female nurses
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: seemed such a straightforward thing when I thought about it I'm thinking why have you not thought of that before um, and then I did a bit of looking and I think well, oh what there's not anything written about um, second or third generation uh, black women of caribbean specifically henry's and myself, um, and their experience of nursing there's a long history of caribbean women in nursing but nothing massive about, history, probably, yeah, nothing necessary about their daughters or the granddaughters, depending. And I interviewed their daughters and their granddaughters of that windrush generation or that that time frame, which I I I belong to. So there's me, and then I'm old enough that people have got children, you know. So there's um, a first generation, the second generation British that um, are nurses. and nursing has changed dramatically since it started, basically same as a windrush, to now. Yeah, um yeah. and society has changed dramatically to now so the experiences of um you know and, and nursing in London is far more international than it's ever been so
0: yeah far more it,
1: it isn't it isn't just a simple thing of there's there's black nurses I and mean, there's white nurses anymore you know right. certain you know at my time it was still very much that and beyond that but anything from the noughties particularly 2010 on particularly to, yeah it's you know every, you know, there's a huge Filipino, um, Filipino, excuse me, uh, nursing population um, as, as, as as well. I'm a huge British-born of African heritage and of Caribbean heritage, but I'm also still a huge African-born nursing, um, nurses in in London, particularly the, the, the Southeast. So it's far more, the issue of ethnicity and, and, and diversity and so on is far more nuanced than it's ever been because mm-hmm. You know, the NHS is probably one of the most, if not the most uh, diverse employers uh, in England. I, I I would say in England, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like 99 percent comfortable in saying that. It could be other companies, but it was never um, when I first, like I said, when I first started nursing, um, I, a, a PhD is just not a thing.
0: Imagine if you could go back in time and say, Guess what I'm doing? Yes. My, never my, believe it. Would you? My 19 year old self
1: would just laugh and go, Yeah, all right
0: then. Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah. So, have you got any advice for anyone that, that that wants to study at doctorate level that you wish you knew when you started? No. When
1: we talked
0: about I kept saying, Don't
1: do it. Don't do it. Run away. I think for me, the first thing is that actually you can do it. I, I come from an, an environment where education is important, but um, I, I, did, I didn't have the, the, the foresight or the fortunateness of, you know, having parents that had gone to university or mm-hmm. or done anything academic, which which I have have done, or or to help me with, with the sort of things I'm like helping my niece with in regards to her going to university. So you may not. I think things possibly have changed, but you may come from an environment where your parents or the people around you aren't necessarily they aren't in that space. But yeah, they're not They're not in that in that yes, world. Yes, yeah. Because was like for me, becoming a nurse was. If I hadn't done nursing, I would not have been opened up to mm, um, everything that followed. Of, yeah, and and so having that kind of conversation was something if I hadn't been in there so I would never
0: have even no. and um, also it's really normal isn't it I'm going to go study this or I'm doing this course yeah, goes, oh, doing, okay, yes, are you? Where, yeah. where are you doing it and how long is it going to take yeah. and who where are you studying and where yeah outside of outside of the kind of I guess healthcare bubble that that wouldn't be something oh I'm off to do a master or I'm off to do a BSc or I'm thinking of doing a doctorate like no one knows anyone that's doing that so then it's yes. it's not part of those conversations yes yeah
1: This is the first time where my academic career and my career actually are the, say, are, are, are the same He's doing this. and concerned. i'd
0: say now we get we get a lot of nurses don't we or even people on the nursing associate program that have got previous degrees or previous oh. study oh. and they think oh it's got nothing to do with nursing or it's psychology or you know it's not it's not relevant and i think i think society had a really narrow view of of nursing and oh. what a nurse oh. does oh. And i think actually oh. like as you said you know uh, uh, even as a nurse within our careers as time goes on we can realize how broad that scope is and what we can study and how it is relevant and how all of that knowledge yeah, that you yeah. have ties together with what you do, um, yeah, what you do clinically. This, this podcast series is all about leadership and leadership in nursing. What advice have you got for anyone that's in a leadership position? Be nice. Good one.
1: What, what I found really surprising is that some, I know it's difficult, there's a difference between being a manager and being a leader. It's a whole other discussion obviously um but that's a whole nother module Yes, yes <laughs> um the, the leader isn't isn't is not is not is not necessarily that somebody's in charge of a lot of people It's somebody that can carry you know move people forward um with them but you know it's it's actually the most simplest thing which is I, I would say 99.9% of the time if you are a nice decent human being to people funnily enough you will get that back. I mean, I, I'm not I'm going to go into, into the deep and anything more deep and meaningful than that. If you are a decent person to anybody in your team, so I will say hello to the cleaners in exactly the same way as I would say hello to the dean of that, or whatever, Play or the head of the department, or whatever. You know, really, just, just, just be a decent human being to people. And that would take you very far. And apologize when you're wrong. Mm. As human beings and as health and as professionals, what people just do not do is say, I'm sorry. You say sorry. And that's whether it's a student, that's whether again it's the dean, you know, you know, it's the head of nursing. It, it doesn't, you know, a corner at one it, it 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 doesn't matter. It's acknowledging um. If you've made a mistake, and in life and in work, we absolutely hate to say, "I was wrong" or "I'm sorry." Mm. And if you make us, if you do do something wrong and are and, and, and apologize for that, it will go such a long way as well as being um, nice. People will follow you if you are genuine and are a decent human being to them. They will go the extra. You can ask them to do something that possibly isn't a hundred percent you know of their their role or outside their role, but I'll do that for you whether you do or not and um, being respectful and being pleasant and being polite and admitting if you messed up because as I say students, good that I said we nobody is perfect no are going to mess up um and and
0: that's before the duty of candor i was that. gonna say we're so into our, our patients and families i think sometimes we we forget about ours don't we we forget about the staff we forget about yeah. those relationships mm. um and that really nicely takes us on too uh, you're a 111 clinical advisor yes um, and that's for anyone that doesn't know do you mind explaining a little bit about the role and and how that works um it's
1: telephone triage that we have in you know they've got a version in scotland as well so it's telephone triage so um what people do is phone up with a concern it shouldn't be something that requires um emergency help that's still what well, in this country is 999 um if you need an ambulance but you know i've organized more than one ambulance in my time it's so that yeah. can be triaged and then be um Directed to the appropriate level of care. So instead of sitting in ED with a six month old who possibly has a cold, why, why, why don't you, if, if you can't get a GP appointment, why don't you go to an urgent care centre instead? Or if it's out of hours, so after the, the GP practice has closed, then there are out of our GP services where they can be seen or you can get a telephone call or yes, you need to go to an urgent care centre. Not that many mind injury units are used to be, more urgent care centre. Or yes, you need to go to ED. Or no, you can go see a pharmacist for that. Actually, or mm. if you're having a mental health crisis, I can, you know, if you can find one that what, that is up and functioning in the area where the poor person calls from, I can put you through to um, mental health services. Um, it's open all the time, any. And so we get a lot of calls about um, babies and toddlers. Mm. What did I say at the beginning? Of here, I'm an adult nurse. Well, I know about a six month old, I have learned a lot in the last nine years and ten years nine yeah, years, years ago i know a lot more about children's conditions and illnesses and what rashes look like and when they've had their immunizations and
0: yeah yeah and what immunizations did you win again yeah yeah you would, yeah i've known yeah. before where to find that
1: information up to date and where you can find information that is you know the internet is fantastic but as we know it can be yeah. so where do you find the information um to give patients to look at or to help you base your clinical decision on? Yeah. And and how she make yeah, it? She's not. not going to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. So which, you know, um especially when COVID was going on, you know, d- how did COVID affect pregnancy? Right? Did we know that? So I'm on the website for the British yeah. Gynecological Association and their guidance in regards to. You know, well, I remember how- teaching you the. Know, I, teaching. I
0: remember teaching the postgrad ITU course, and literally, I would update the slides on like the Wednesday. I would teach on the Thursday, and then one of the students would go, "Oh, well, actually, or did you not notice that since last week we now do." Dun, 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 yeah. and it'd be like yeah. oh oh yeah. okay and you yeah. literally feel like you'd be at the night before it'd be like they're not going to change it by 9am are they like <laughs> please hope that nothing's going to get because yeah, yeah that to keep the, the pace in which I think especially in, I think COVID was one of the examples wasn't mm. it we keep mm. up to date all the time with everything don't we or we try to yes. I think yes. COVID showed us the speed at which stuff was you know guidance yeah. research was being yeah. published you feel like you're an expert and then or, or trying to be and yeah. then now something completely different's coming yeah, and you're like yeah. oh it's so like when dexamethasone was brought in it was like oh right of course that's yes. what we're that's using that's right. and now yeah. it's the most normal it's the most normal thing in the world you know it's and everyone's heard of it and it's yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting and, and now we've got long,
1: long covid so you know the, yeah the, the loads the, of the really complex of symptoms and you know and, and, and what, what they what treatment they're on and what what symptoms they have and
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: and so it for covid particularly so you so you have to keep up 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 to date, so the whole thing, even with fevers and children, there's whole. There was a whole um, nice guidance on fevers and children, where whether you know, should even give somebody, uh, give a child um, an antipyretic medication yeah. if they have a have a fever. Try explaining that. You know, if they got a fee of 39, and they're, they're, they're all right, but you know, try explaining that to a first time parent that actually, why don't you, you know, the evidence suggests that. So her, that to, i was Who is incredibly stressed. Not to. And so when I used to teach him, we used to say, well, you know, it says that in evidence, but try, you try explaining that to a human being. So, you know, when I used to do nights, not anymore, you know, you've got a, a, a parent, you know, with a child of 39. And, um, it's 3 a.m. and it's 3am and it's Sunday and you, know, you don't necessarily have to give um anything unless the child is uncomfortable per se mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'd be and I'd say you know the evidence says that but I appreciate three morning. you you're worried about your child so you just give them what and then say why and what to give, and yeah, how, yeah, that and right give it, you know so it's really good in relating one what the evidence base says but how you in, how you use that in real life, with real patients, mm. who are really worried about, um, you know, their their child, particularly, we get a lot of a lot of um, ch- a lot. I'd say oh, a lot of our calls are from um, children. So I know, as I said before, so much more about looking after toddlers and newborns than I um, well, you ever would have I, I ever would have, and I and I checked with child and pediatric nurses, and what you like, what's what's the normal heart rate of a of a six month old?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, never. Yeah, wouldn't have been in within your. Well, it wasn't no. your scope, was it? So no. why would you know? No, I, I, I'm absolutely,
1: and I, you know, my has taught me so. I've yeah, learned right. so much um, uh, in doing that.
0: Big question again, just to finish up what are your career aspirations what are your goals actually it's quite funny it's very similar to
1: when I was doing my nursing I just want to finish my nurses yeah, nursing. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want just to, to want finish, finish t-
0: t- you want to be free,
1: <laughs> to be free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about being Dr. Melanie my mum who's very excited about that I, you I you bet know. she's so excited it's 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 just uh, you know actually I, I just want to finish and I I have there's been so many times where I thought I'd just It'd be great to do, but I just can't. But i I've been inter- I was fortunate enough, I was honoured enough to interview fifteen women. Um, for my data collection, and it's been two years now. Um, from interviews that last for at least an hour and fifteen to a handful of experienced nurses with lives that I just I forgot I was a I was I was a yeah, researcher. Yeah, you were a researcher yeah, having this conversation. And, you know, I'm trying to be really present, and there's I'm like, a yeah. the couple there I was like, wow. I what a life that woman has, has. or has. Uh, I have to finish it for those women. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary about me anymore. I cannot have gotten all, them to take their time out of their day. I've had women crying while I was mm-hmm. interviewing them, remembering some of the situations and things in their life that have happened to them. As nurses, I have to finish. That's the. Actually, I have to be honest. That's the only reason I'm finished because I've. I've. Some. I've, I've just. Those women, women's time, mm. and their stories were just so fantastic. Every single one, Even from, the, from the youngest to to you know from twenty four, I think, to fifty nine mm. years old. Wow. So some of them have retired and some who are just on their journey.
0: Yeah, at, totally at different their, stages of life.
1: Yes, and that, you know, that really didn't, that was the thing that, that struck me. Yeah, um, that's driven you. Yeah. I didn't didn't think it would, um, mm. is how different the under-30s experience is to those who are in my age group. Mm. Which is, which in a good way, actually, in, in, in a good way, right. their experience is very, very different, as it should be. Completely as it is. Training in the noughties and doing your trainings in the 80s, and a couple in the early 80s, one or two in the late 70s started completely different, as it should be. Mm. I have to finish it for those women. I cannot not do it for them.
0: Well all of the luck for this for this final push and Beverly thank you so much for coming today and sharing your pearls of wisdom and talking through your career and giving us all lots of advice so thank you so much my pleasure
1: Laura thank you so much for inviting me